0: Something's different there. We got it straightened out. Okay, super. That was a lot of power in me there. Amen. No, you didn't agree. Okay. Now that's a great song, and the, and that's what we're going to be talking about. How much really the power is in the name of Jesus? Does this sound okay? Is there something still wrong, or is it just the monitors? Maybe, maybe just the monitors here. But the rains weren't running around to do something. But we'll see. Go to Isaiah chapter fifty-five. Sorry, I got my mind uh, a little sidetracked here. If you wouldn't mind, uh, please pray for um, my my brother. Uh, I just got a message that he's at the emergency room at the hospital. He was on the way to church this morning and and got dizzy, and um, so they just took him to the uh, emergency room. And that's John. Yeah, and uh, so just be praying for him. Uh, right now. I'm not not sure. They just, just texted me back and said that's what it was. He got dizzy on the way and almost passed out on the way in. So I'm not sure what that means. But uh, let's just have a word of prayer right now. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, thank you for being someone we can come to at any moment. And Lord, I know that even before we pray that uh, you have every one of our loved ones uh, in your sight and in your hands, and Lord, I pray that right now that you would uh, touch John, that you would heal his body, whatever's going on, that uh, that they'd find out what it is, and it'd be something very simple, uh, and Lord, I, I pray that you just uh, give the doctors wisdom, please, ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. If you would go to Isaiah chapter 55, uh, Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 is where we're going to take a look this morning. Isaiah chapter fifty-five verse eight. Give you just a second to to get there. Isaiah chapter fifty five, verse eight says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Uh, What we're talking about here is, in this passage, is a great illustration of the sovereignty of God. God is all-powerful. And he begins it by saying, you know, no matter what you think or how much or how intelligent you think you are, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are above your thoughts he said, "For the heavens are higher than the earth; so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts." And we're going to be discussing uh, about that this morning. Uh, uh, what I'm talking about this morning is when acceptance is the only choice. That's the title of it. When acceptance is the only choice, and, and the other the other title, so to be, so to speak, would be what to do when you have no choice. What to do when you have no choice. I'll just give you a little illustration, and maybe lighten it up a little bit. My uh, my daughter called us one day, and, and uh, her daughter was about four years old, and they'd gone out to a little harvest uh, store. You know, that it was during that time of the year, and we'd actually been there with them a couple of times, you know, one of those pumpkin patches and all those kind of things. And they have all kinds of neat little things where her little—my f- daughter was shopping— and uh, they're pretty limited on income, but my four-year-old daughter Hayden came up to her and said, "Mama, I want this." Well, um, uh, Heather told Hayden, "No, oh, Hayden, you can't. You can't have that. And uh, you know, I'm not ready to even check out right now." So Hayden uh, uh, walked away and thinking, and Heather thinking, "Well, she's put it back up." I know where you're going. Here, you're thinking, "Well, she stole it." No, she didn't. She walked over to the checkout counter and a lady was checking out. And so Hayden just went up there, and of course nobody could even see her because she's below the counter. She reaches up and she puts her little item on the counter with the with the lady's stuff. And uh, and so it's coming through, and, and the lady finally sees that this little girl is trying to put her stuff with her stuff so she can buy it. And um, and so Heather, you know, calls her over, and she looks at her, and she says, Hayden, what in the world are you doing? And you got to know Hayden. Um, she looked at her mom, and she said, Mama, I had no choice. <laughs> and so uh, she uh, she just had to do what she had to do. Now, this is this passage that we just read is kind of twofold. It's stating how man cannot understand the ways of God. And it would be really good if man could understand that man cannot understand the ways of God. Uh, you know, so much we want to figure out God and so much we want to make God fit into our box. But look, we can't understand all about God. Uh, we study about Him, we learn about Him, and He teaches us about But we will never understand, and we really won't understand why He does all the things that He does. And that's why it's good not to ask why about things. Just don't ask why. What you need to ask is what. Uh, when something happens in our lives, uh, you, know, uh, you know, just to get this text just a moment, moment ago, I, I got two choices. Why God is my brother in the hospital, or I can say, what, Lord, are you trying to teach us from this? What are you doing in our lives? What are you doing? Because watch this. God, God is, is, he's not into making your life miserable. Whatever he's doing, even though it doesn't seem good, it, God can be working this for good. And so, number two, it's, all, it always, it's also stating that man may rebel against God, but he cannot stop the ways of God. You know, in our, we, can't, we don't understand ways of God, and what we have such a tendency to do is to re- rebel against the ways of God uh, because we don't understand them, and therefore we don't understand them, we don't agree with them. And, and, and then we start rebelling against them because we don't agree with them. But listen to me. No matter how much we rebel, you can't stop God. You can't stop God. Uh, there's an old prayer. It's called the serenity prayer. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, it's, I believe it ought to have a little addition to that prayer. Uh, and, and it ought to be also, and may I have the humility to submit to that which God does not want to change. You know, we, it just comes down to humility, humility to submitting to God. Here's a, a wonderful illustration of the struggle Christians, especially in America, have today. Uh, there's a, a captain of a ship looked into the dark night and saw faint lights in the distance. Immediately, he told his signalman to send a message Alter your course 10 degrees south. So he saw the lights, and he said, okay, there's another ship coming, and he's the captain. So he says, alter your course 10 degrees south. Promptly a return message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. The captain was angered. His command had been ignored. So he sent a second message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am the captain. Soon another message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am seaman third class Jones. Immediately the captain sent a third message knowing the fear that it would evoke. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. Then the reply came. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. You know. The fact is, though, this way it is, we can't see what God's doing, and God's up here, He's our lighthouse, and He keeps telling us, turn, 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 but we're just too cocky, and we're too prideful to do it, because we know our way. We're going to do what we want. I just read a thing the other day, a guy said, uh, you know, that he doesn't preach against anything anymore because people start leaving when he starts preaching against things. That wasn't me that said that, okay? So we all find ourselves overwhelmed at times by situations over which we have no control. Anybody ever found yourself in one of those situations? It's the kind of feeling you feel right now, Randy. Situation you have no control. What can you do? I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, everything you have, you, you, inside of me, you know, you want to drop everything and run out the door right now and go see what we can do. I can't do anything. Situations that we cannot change no matter how hard we try or what we do. Anybody ever faced one of those? A situation you couldn't change no matter how hard you try, no matter what you did. We cannot accept what we cannot change. That's where the problem is. And when we cannot accept what we cannot change, it manifests itself in feelings of frustration, anger, jealousy, regrets, pride. These negative feelings keep us from true peace of mind. You see, so long as we refuse to, to accept what we cannot change, we're in a battle of our mind. My wife, she, she always tells me, she says, Rob, you, you get all stressed out when you have loose ends. And I said, yeah, I know. I can't stand loose ends, and I really can't stand loose ends that I can't tie up. Those that are out there that I just can't resolve, they, 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 they just really, they'll, they'll, if you allow them, they'll, they'll drive you crazy. These negative feelings keep us from the true peace that we could have in our heart and mind. They prevent us from letting go of that which is beyond our control. You know, if it's beyond your control, we've we got to come to the point that we stop trying to control it. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense in our head, but why do we keep trying to control that which is beyond our control? These types of situations greatly hinder our ability to move forward or move past our circumstances. Now, I'm going to make a statement, and I hope you understand the statement. Circumstances of life are neither good nor bad. How we respond to them leads to good or bad. You see, to to say that the circumstances of life are, are good or bad is to say God is good or bad. No, no, they're really not good or bad. God has allowed everything. If you understand the sovereignty of God, God doesn't want everything that happens in your life, but He allows everything that happens in our life. And when He allows everything that happens in our life, He's allowing that. And, and what He's wanting from us to do is in yielding to Him, we can grow to know him better and grow to be closer to him and we can make a good situation out of what we think is a bad situation but truly the circumstances is is not what's good or bad it's how we deal with it Amen. if these feelings continue unchecked we are headed for an explosion of emotions or a deep depression you know if you if you cannot deal with the the problem that's that's facing you if you can't uh, take care of it. If you can't change the unchangeable, then we can, we, what's going to happen, it's going to build up, it's going to build up, it's going to finally explode because we're angry, we're frustrated because we can't change it, or we're going to sink into a deep depression because I want to change this, and it's not changing, and I'm getting depressed. There's so, there's much in our lives that is beyond our control. So, what kind of things? Well, whether the sun shines today or whether it rains is really beyond our control. You know, it really is. Uh, we may be frustrated over the interrupted plans that the weather may create, but it it's never was in our control in the first place. And, and look, uh, and it, it doesn't even help you to look at the weather around here because they ain't never right. They're just, they just not. I mean, I, these are the only people in the world that get paid good salaries for being wrong every day. The greater the expectation of things being uh, the way you desire, the greater the disappointment when they are not. Now, I want you to understand this. The, the more we have to have things the way we want them, the more we're going to be disappointed. And the more we for, want to force them to be the way we want when they're not, the greater the disappointment. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, As hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Hope here means expectation. The scripture says that when we have an expectation, even the deferring or delaying of that expectation, the term here kind of means weakens our heart. It hurts our heart. This would, what what it's really talking about, it it weakens our inner resolve to continue when what we hope for, what we dream for, you you know, it is, just a little sideline note, when you go um, to getting ready for a vacation, don't think about how wonderful it's going to be for about six weeks before you go. Don't think about how perfect every day is going to be. Don't think about how it's going to be incredible and it's going to be this and it's going to be that. You know what? You're setting yourself up. You're going to go to the ocean for a week. You're going to be there in a house right on the beach and it's going to be so wonderful. It's going to rain every day. You know, it just... Don't set yourself up that way. Look, just say, it's just whatever happens, we're going to have fun. That's the best turn. Whatever goes on, we're going to enjoy it. Whatever happens, we're just going to have. If it rains every day, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lay in bed every day. I'm going to get a lot of rest, amen, and it's probably going to be good for me. And God just knew I needed rest rather than going out here playing all day. All right. We can't change the fact that we might run into a traffic jam. Anybody ever ran into a traffic jam? We can't change that fact. Now we can try to get off and go around it, but how's that work out for you? Most of the time that doesn't work out too good either. And, and 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 now and none of us know where we're going anyway because the GPS is just gonna take us right back to the accident. Because look, people ask me, where in the state were you? Where were you? North, south, east, west. Since I had GPS, I have no idea. I really don't. I just I plug it in, and, and I know I'm in that state. That's all I know. They'll say, where were you? I, I don't know. I don't know where I am right now. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1, it says in verse 12 through 14, it says, but I would... You, you should, uh, I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You know, look, God says, look, there's some things that are going to happen that, that don't seem good, but God said, you know, i got a purpose behind them. And we've got to start, stop being so intent of saying, God, I'm going to change this. You know, you'll live in turmoil if you've lost something that you cannot regain. If you won't turn a loose of it. Years ago, the uh, uh, they decided that someone, you know, I don't mind saying it, you know, that someone, we, we ran the military ministry for 19 years. I was looking forward to directing it for our 20th year, and uh, suddenly they decided that uh, someone that was military could run it better and and get the job done better, uh, could have it 10 times better. Um, And so my wife and I were removed from it and, and given a different job to do. My wife cried every night for six months probably. I mean, it just, every time it would hit her, she would start crying because that was our heart, our life, our love, uh, reaching these boys for Christ. And we had seen in those 19 years about 40,000 that had trusted Christ as their Savior. And it was just, it was incredible. And we really felt like, you know, God was the enabler. It wasn't whether I had, you know, a military background or not. It was it was God that was doing it. And But that was the decision that was made. And I had to one day sit her down, and I said, "Joe, Beth, we're not going to get past this till we realize it's not coming back. Do you understand? You can't get past it till you realize it's not coming back. There are some losses that are just not coming back. And we got to accept that. When we were uh, traveling home Friday from was Marrero, no, wait a minute. Marrero. Yeah, shut up. All right. Marrero. I'm going to say it the way I want to say it because I say it like, you know, U.S. people. All right. <laughs> They're, we're traveling home Friday and uh, and coming up interstate 55 and all of a sudden you know how it is man just out of nowhere lights and people are flying out to one side or the other because everybody's slamming on brakes and and uh and, and all i saw immediately there was a, a car that was flipped and some people were running to the car over in the median and there's an suv that's flipped up on its top and and so i saw some people running toward it and uh and my wife looked and she said rob you, the people are still in there, and so I, I I pulled over to the side real quickly. Now look, I could do nothing about the fact that there's we just hit a traffic jam. We're going to be there for a while, but I but you know we can sit there and get frustrated and get aggravated that we're going to be an hour later getting home or whatever. Or you know what? Maybe God brought us here for a mo- for a reason. So I jumped out like a lot of other men and ran over to that to that SUV and and. uh when I was getting to it, there was smoke started coming out of the back of it. And, and at that point, some started running away from the car. And, and one of the men yelled, turn, turn the engine off. And so I, when I looked again, I realized that the black smoke was actually coming out of the exhaust. It was still running. And and so one of the guys somehow, and I don't know how, it broke a window or whatever, got to it to cut turn the engine off. And uh, so uh, we were there. And... and these people, you really couldn't see them. Airbags are anywhere, everywhere. You couldn't see who was in, in there, but you knew they're in there. Two, there was smoke. We don't know. You know, that thing could burst into flames at any moment. So we got about, I don't even know how many of us gathered there, but it was probably 10 or 15 men gathered to the side of that SUV, and we just said, okay, man, we got to get it up so we can get them out. And we lifted it up. And turned it back up upright now, when it turned up right, it fell to that fence that you'll know, kind of wire fence that you know guards between the median and so it was hung up and still hung up there and uh, and as soon as we got it up, we're thinking it's up, but it it, it bounced kind of on that thing, and it started coming back at us and, uh, and so we had to stand there for probably about the next thirty minutes, holding about ten or twelve of was holding this thing so it didn't start coming back down. But we were able to get the, the door open, and, and uh, it was older. And believe it or not, it was a pastor and his wife. And I got him. You know, when they finally got him and got him out and got him to the ambulance and all that, the uh, uh, the the pastor looked at me and he said, "My notes, my notes, my notes." And so, I, hey, I said, "It's okay. I'm a pastor. I know what those mean to you. I'll go get them." And, uh, and and uh, and a doctor who had stopped there, he said, "Look, he said, man, he wants whatever it is. He wants it bad." And I said, "I understand he does. Let's go find it." We went in there and got inside there, and I don't know if we got them all or not because it was kind of a dangerous kind of situation to be climbing in and out of there because it flipped back over at any any second. But but we got his got his notes out and got into them. Now it looked like hopefully she was in a neck brace, you know his wife and. Uh, looked like a sweet couple. They were probably in their seventies, and and more likely were traveling to a to a meeting. But, but you know, all that happened. We're in an unchangeable situation. You know, when you get locked up, and there's nowhere for us to go. There's no where, nothing for us to do. But you know, an unchangeable situation. It's all in how you look at it. I look at it now, and I think, thank God, that He stopped us. Thank God that he shut down the interstate. Thank God that that a group of men. And if you want to be thrilled about America, I I just want to tell you, all cars stopped everywhere, and in the moment, men from all walks of life busted out of their cars, came over there to to do something to help those folks. It was an amazing thing and and a wonderful thing to be part of. I could not change the fact that an accident was going to block the interstate, but this unchangeable situation allowed me and others to be able to make a difference in a desperate situation. The unchangeable can bring conflict of mind or it can bring opportunity. There's some unchangeable situations that we deal with and move on in life. We tough our way through them. You know, and there are some unchangeables that we just say, okay, I'm going to make it through. Then there are other times that are are unchangeable situations that we allow to create fear and frustration in our lives. And fear comes if the unchangeable is something that we believe will hurt us. Now listen, fear comes when we believe the unchangeable is something that we believe will hurt us. Frustration comes when we believe the unchangeable inconveniences us. And we'll get we'll get so frustrated and upset over something that's nothing more than an inconvenience. It's look uh, again that illustration of of us being taken out of the Salem ministry. It didn't stop our ministry. It didn't stop our ability to outreach people. It didn't. It, matter of fact, it was it, in reality it was nothing more than a than a tough inconvenience. But bless God, God just opened the door from that and took us into a whole new ministry. Truth is, he was working step by step to bring us to Calvary Baptist Church, and that's a good thing, right? Thank you, Linda. You tried. I'll give you five more dollars the next time if you can get them to actually clap with you. When something in our lives threatens our security, we find ourselves in fear, and we tend to fight to regain control. Why? Because we believe we know what is best for us, and therefore the unchangeable must change for it to be best for us. you hear what I just said? We're so convinced that the unchangeable must change in order for it to be best for us. And I want you to understand, that will drive you crazy. Let go of the unchangeable. It is what it is. We can't change it. The inability to change this outcome causes us intense emotional stress and frustration. This increases the harder we fight to change the unchangeable. Life is a series of unchangeable situations that appear for our good that we might find and trust in God. You understand again what I just said? Life is a series of unchangeable situations that appear for our good that we might find and trust in God. So, look, the unchangeable is not there to hurt us. The unchangeable is there that we might find God. and when we find Him, trust Him. Yep. One unchangeable may be a loved one and, and their chosen path of life. You know, as Christians, we often we see a loved one taking, making decisions and going in a direction that, that uh, it just is, is going to destroy them. They may be in sin. They may be making choices that will lead to their destruction. Don't misunderstand. We should, as Christians, do all that we can do for them. We should love them, counsel them, advise them, be patient with them. But we must also understand that we cannot force them to change. That's where the unchangeable comes. No matter how hard we try, I cannot make someone else submit to God. I can't do it. And probably, again, if we had a show of hands, you've had somebody and you're somebody you love very close to you that you just think, okay, they're making a decision that's destroying them. And we want so badly to stop them. And can I tell you, you got to be careful here because you will destroy a relationship because you're so determined that you're going to change them. Let me help you. Only God can change them. Only God can change them. This is also important because we will never live in true peace until we relinquish control of our lives to God. That which is unchangeable must be surrendered to God if we are to find peace in this world. Number two, if we also, we also sometimes fail to, to let go of the past. We dream, we dwell, we muse on changing the past, but the past will not change. We think too much about what I should have done. Well, you know, you can think about what you should have done to learn about what you should do, but you can't go back and change what you did. And if I could remember how to say that, I'd say it again. Now, we can correct errors of the past. We can apologize and make right the past, we can, but we cannot change the past. Matthew six twenty seven says, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? You know what the Lord's saying? He's saying, you know, you can't change that which is unchangeable. You just can't do it. You can't change. You can't add one cubit. Now, you can get older and lose a cubit, but you you can't add a cubit. Look, folks, we can't even change our weight, much less our height. Amen. I went down to to Louisiana, and I've been doing so good. We had that fast at the beginning of the year, and I brought my weight down feeling good, feeling fine, and I got down there to jambalaya, crawfish boil, and I couldn't stop eating. It saved my life. I gained about six pounds, six pounds in five days. He said, what are you going to do about it? It depends on whether somebody brings me more jambalaya or not. We cannot even change the, just the most minute things about us. We can't change where we were born uh, or to whom we were born. Uh, so many spend their life and wealth to change what is truly unchangeable. They change their looks and change themselves, but they really do not change. What is the answer? What will bring peace, happiness, success, and surrender? Here we go, and here it is. Here's the solution. It's act. Act. Act, and it's not original to me, but but this has helped. This little little portion right here, I saw on a piece of paper that my wife had, and I said, you know what? That's where I'm going this week. Uh, accept what you cannot. The A, A for act. Accept what you cannot change. It's real simple. Just accept it. Accept what you cannot change. Accept what you cannot change about yourself. You know who's most miserable in here? Is somebody that does not like something about themselves. And I'm talking physically. You don't like something about yourself. You should be like me. <laughs> now you you can't you can't change. Or if you do, you're gonna be like some of these stars that change and they change and they change and then they look like a mannequin. And they're not happy with what happened. Okay, it's just, we're not happy with ourselves. Psalm 139, 13 and 14 says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for, listen to this, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that that my soul knoweth right well. Look, he said, he said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Guess who did that? God. You know know what? He decided, God decided that I'd be bald-headed. Now, we're going to have a discussion about it when I get to heaven, but he decided that I wouldn't have, he decided that I'd have this nose, okay? He, well, my daddy had something to do with it, but he decided that I'd have this nose. He decided that that's right. My little girl, Tara, he decided that, that her ears would stick straight out. Don't tell Tara I said that. Though. Take that out of the tape. And then. And he decided that her little girl going to have the same ears. I thank God they have long hair. All right, now, he decided how we'd be made. Number two, got to decide that we, we can't change other people. Romans chapter 14, verse 11, 12 says, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Notice what it says there. Every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Now, if I could change people, then God would hold me accountable for not doing it. Now, I can influence people And I can have the power of influence, but I cannot force them to accept anything. I can't force them to change anything. They have to give account. Clearly, every man shall give account of himself. Uh, Then, uh, we need to understand that we can't change our circumstances. Ecclesiastes 7.13 says, Consider the work of God, for who can make straight that which he hath made crooked? You say, man, I just don't understand why this is happening in my life. God (laughs) made it a crooked path. You say, would God do that? He does. Because, look, this is about God's will and what God wants, not what we want. And it's amazing how much we just want to demand God do it the way we want to do it. And we get upset at Him if it doesn't happen the way we want it to happen. We can only arrive at bitterness, Uh, I'm sorry, next thing, act, change, change your bitterness to forgiveness. If we're gonna if we're gonna change, we need to number one, a we gotta we got to accept the fact, uh, accept what you cannot change about yourself, about people, about circumstances. Number uh, or c is change. Change your bitterness to forgiveness. We can only arrive at bitterness through the path of failing to forgive. That's not, you. The only way you get to to bitterness is when you refuse to forgive. So to re- revoke bitterness, we must enact forgiveness, and forgiveness must be perpetual or bitterness will be rebirth. It must be perpetual. You know, every day of your life, that root of bitterness is a really bad root and you've got to over and over again you've got to let go of the past and you've got to let go and let God be God and change your bitterness to, uh, to forgiveness Matthew 18, 18 21 22 says then came Peter to him and said Lord how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times Jesus said unto him I say not unto these until seven times but until 70 times seven The Lord says, you just keep forgiving. And this is when they keep offending. Look, we can't even get over the one offense. God says when they keep offending, keep forgiving. And folks, please, let's be honest with ourselves. We're not over it yet. I told my wife the other day something that happened years ago. I said, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been feeling great about that. And all of a sudden, it hit me again today that, that I'm just I'm frustrated about that situation. And I'm thinking, all of a sudden, I got this frustration in my heart. You know what? That's something, that's that root that's trying to grow back. You know what I got to do? I got to go and forgive again. I got to say, I got to get cleansed of this again. Because I'm not going to go back in the past and take that offense away. And, and watch this too, no matter how much you want them to suffer for it, that still won't take the offense away. Then it's the T of act. We must trust God's will. We must let God be God. This is both His stated will, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and this is something that's foreign to today, and people don't like it today today. But all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, listen to this, for doctrine, and we're all about doctrine today, but for reproof, mm, you know what that means? Reproof, that's a strong form of correction, okay? And, 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 and just so you don't think it's just correction, he also says for correction. He says for reproof, for correction, for instruction, In righteousness, you know what the Word of God there is supposed to change us, and we're supposed to let it reprove us, correct us, instruct us. That the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All Scripture is profitable. Its its doctrine is not up for debate. Its reproof will remain. Its correction stays the same, and its instruction and righteousness will sustain. But the Word of God does not change. Y'all like that? I've worked on that for a while. I thought that was pretty cool, didn't you? You want me to say it again? No, you don't. I can say it about ten more times. You still say, huh? Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Then there's this sovereign will. The sovereign will, that part of the will of God that is yet revealed. And will not be revealed in our lives, but according to God's time. You say, what, what do you mean by that? There There's some things that are going to happen in our lives that haven't happened yet. But it's God's sovereign will. That sovereign will that can bring to fruition Romans, 18, Romans 8, 28. And we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Isaiah forty six ten. It says, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not uh, yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. God says, I'm going to do what I want to do. You say, man, that's pretty cocky. Yeah, well, he's God. And he says, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Now, if somebody else on this planet says that, we say, that's a spoiled brat, but this is God. You know... He can do it because he's God, because he really can do whatever he wants to do. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, uh, it says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that now, the humility of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God now unto him that is able listen to this now, now to, unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He's able. He's able to do whatever he wants to do. And listen, we've got to stop back up and say whatever he's doing, we're okay with it. Now, don't misunderstand me. If there's something in our lives that needs to be changed, and we can change it, we ought to change it. Don't misunderstand me. We have the power of influence, and anybody we can influence for right and for good and for God, we ought to influence them. But watch this. Their choice is still theirs. That's why they got to give account of themselves to the Lord. We cannot change the past, but we can be a positive influence on ourselves, on others, and for God in the future. It comes down to this verse: James four seven says, "Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you." you say, how does that tie into here? It all comes down to submission. Will we really submit to God and what He's allowed in our lives? I have to to praise her. I praise her so often, uh, but you know, I've I've several times now. My wife, I put her into a nice place. before we left to go to Indiana, we had uh, a little four. It was a small little four-bedroom house, but it was nice. And then we had a uh, then we had a townhouse that we're living in, so it could be closer to work. We had some nice things, and I took her out of there. And for the next four and a half, four years, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment. First two years, was a one-bedroom attic apartment, and then the next two years, we got to move downstairs. And, you know, I just thank God that she didn't look at it in the whole four years, let me know she wanted her house back. I don't know what it would have done to us. I don't know if I'd ever finished school. If she just spent the, the next four years, I want it back. Baby, it ain't coming back. But I never had to say that. Matter of fact, several times over those years, I would, those four years, I would go and I would look and I'd find some place, a house, you know, maybe a two- or three-bedroom house. I'd say, baby, we could, uh, we could rent that. Now, you understand, we had, we had two, three, four kids in one bedroom. We had no living room furniture because that living room was the girls' bedroom. We had no bedroom furniture. I built it out of skids from work. I built little miniature bunk beds. They were three high. And then we had a crib. And you know how I built. It's lucky those kids are alive. It's lucky it didn't just crash down on them. But I'd go to her and I'd say, I've seen this and it's going to cost this much, but you, you've lived long enough in this, this place. You know what she'd say to me? Rob, we didn't come here for a house. We came here for you to go to school. And she would always say, she'd say, if there's anything any bigger, I just don't know I'd have time to clean it all. Do you understand the fact that she accepted? And I've given this illustration over, but I mean then, 35 years into marriage, and I move her out of her home into a, a broken-down motor home, 34 foot, 17 months. And not one time in 17 months did she say, I want my house back. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? There are some things that God does that when he does them, he's loving us. And we got two choices. We can either make the best of the unchangeable situation and find joy. I almost brought it in and put it up here. My wife wants a porch everywhere we are. So we were in that broken down motor home and we we had it set beside a tree. It wouldn't go anywhere so we just parked it beside my daughter's house and it was beside a tree. And that tree was a a tire swing. So I came out there and got Joe Beth in that tire swing and took a picture of her beside her house. I said, this is her porch. And she had a big smile on her face because she had her porch swing for 17 months. And never one time said. And can I tell you, some of you have been to our house, and I know you walk away going, This is what preachers have? No, this is what God gives to a woman that's willing to give everything up. To not try to change the unchangeable, but to accept that God's sovereign will is perfect. So what have you tried to change? And watch this. Some of us, we try to change even eternity. Forgive me, but it doesn't matter what this says. We're still going to believe that we got to do something to get to heaven. we got to be baptized. We've got to be sprinkled. We've got to be a member of the church. We've got to take communion. we got to be good. That's not what God's Word said. got you, you can want that all you want to, but you're not going to change the fact that God said that's not the way it is. What unchangeable. Let's bow our heads. I just want to ask you a question.